which is the truth. Like that, that, that line, like I read that, I was like, whoa, that's why I do all this. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Joseph Betesh of Betesh Media. Joe found Joe through the podcasting agency that she uses and she's very glad she did as she really enjoyed her conversation with the highly energetic and driven Joe. Joe is a digital branding consultant to Fortune 500s and international advertising agencies for six years before starting Betesh Media. He has an undying passion for culture, brand and technology that drives his entrepreneurial spirit and creative vision. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Joe Batesh of Batesh Media. Great to have you with me, Joe. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Joe. This is, this is so super exciting. I, uh, I don't think I've ever actually done a podcast with anybody overseas before. So this is uh, definitely a new experience for me and it's very refreshing to, uh, to speak to somebody from the other side of the pond. Lovely. And uh, I'm quite excited because you're a professional, I think, in the podcasting world from the conversations we've just been having. So I'm looking forward to uh, finding out more about what you do. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) And it sounds like you talk just as much as I do. So this will be interesting when it 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 gives me the stats. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a little bit harder for your editors in terms of in terms of shortening it, but we're definitely going to have a good time. I can guarantee you that. Well, GoToMeeting now tells me the percentage of um, the talk that I did and that my guest did, which is a bit depressing because sometimes it's like, you know, lots of me and sometimes it's the other way around, which is obviously... This one might be an outlier. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about you and what you do. Okay, cool. So my name is Joe Batesh. I am 22 years old, living in New York. I started a digital agency at the time. Um, I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. I started doing web design. Um, for a couple of my father's friends and a couple of friends of my own. Um, and I, I was 16 at the time. And then from there, I kind of just uh, signed a, more and more clients, said yes to more and more things that I didn't know how to do, figured out how to do them. <laughs> and now we have uh, quite the agency under our belt. We are, have a couple offices here in Manhattan. Uh, we have a few people working for us out in California. We have a, a couple developers in Israel. And we focus mostly on web design, on actual design, graphic design, presentation design, um, experience design. We focus on branding, so identity, logos, naming, copywriting. Uh, we focus on social media a lot, so creating content for that, managing accounts. And then our uh, our new hotspot is uh, is podcasting. It's something I've recently gotten into myself. Um, I have a show with uh, just a couple of friends we do where we discuss pop culture, um, industries, business, that kind of stuff. And, and I've kind of fell in love with the format and fell in love with the production. And so we started doing it for our clients as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, you're a lot younger than I am, but interesting that uh, we both have a similar sort of uh, just say yes and then work out how to do it afterwards. <laughs> I think, it's a, better, sort of I think it's a much simpler way to live. You know, I, there's a lot of talk right now about how to say no and, you know, it's important to say no when you have to say no and all these things. I, I don't I don't get it. You know, I'm not really 
it's not really in my DNA to say to say no to something that could be either one financially lucrative or two, you know, enjoyable. Like so, so, yeah. so when somebody yeah. asks me, or a potential client or an cl existing client asks me to do something that's not generally in our wheelhouse, you know, you say yes. You don't, you know, you have to of course be honest and be frank and be transparent with them and tell and telling them that you know it might not be something you have experience in or it might not be something you know how to do at the moment. But just say, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, the best yeah. things in life are always the ones you don't plan out. So, and so it's a lot of people that I know and myself, especially we figured out our best skills while trying to figure out something else. You know, it's not something mm. you sit down and say, well, I have to figure this out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was saying to you before we came on that uh, I started uh, helping clients when I had my publishing business with their websites. In, in, in fact, in the days when most small businesses didn't know that they needed a website. <laughs> so I showed you it was a little while ago. Uh, so I started my business in 2005. So it's probably 2006, six seven, And I've got slides that I prepared that, you know, were convincing people that it was a good idea. And never mind social media, that hadn't even come along by then. <laughs> So you got a, you have a couple of years of a head start on me. I started doing sites in 2000 around 2010. Um, yeah, yeah. I interned for a web design company and I tried to learn how to build my own site. I studied HTML and CSS more than like I've studied anything else in my entire life. I read yeah. the how to make websites for dummies, this and that. I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. You know, I'm not a very, I'm not a very um, logical thinker i can't really follow that too many steps of logic so the code and, and the wrappers and the this and that were just way too much for me um yeah. so i was i was so frustrated i was gonna quit and the day before i was planning on on leaving i looked over my uh boss's shoulder and i saw he was on something called theme forest <laughs> and at the time i had no idea what theme forest was you know i didn't know what that was i thought you know i had to make sites from scratch and I logged on to see what he was looking at. And as it turns out, you don't need to build your own site from scratch. You can, in fact, buy a template and customize it to your needs. So I said, what in the hell am I spending so much time trying to figure out how to build a site for if I've got an online directory of, of sites that I could build for other people? You know, yeah. at that time, in around 2010, for, for a company to, uh, this is even also, this is before WordPress is so mainstream. This is still when everybody's doing HTML. For a company yes. to get their own site, a small business, I don't know how much you were charging, but the companies around me were paying between 20000 and like $100,000 for a very, very, very simple site. Something mm. you could build today on Squarespace in a matter of 15 minutes. Yeah. So I yeah. call up companies and tell them, hey, you guys need a new site. Call any agency in New York, whatever they quote you, I'll, I'll charge you 10% of that. And I promise you, I'll get it done within the day. And I used to build sites in five <laughs> or six hours using these templates. And they used to be absolutely gorgeous. And clients would be paying 10% of what they normally be paying at an agency. And were these yeah. sites the best in the world? I was 16 years old trying to make a living, you know, and and uh, and they were great, but they weren't the best. But today we've gotten we got we've gotten a, a bit more, just a bit more sophisticated in our process. And yeah, now we yeah. pull out custom sites on pretty much any content management system you can think of. Yes, yeah. But as you say, it's interesting how it came about. I mean, I, I was doing WordPress and people just saw that as a blogging site, a blogging platform. So a lot of the traditional agencies that were doing, as you say, HTML and stringing all the pages together and creating, in effect, their own content management system were sort of um, slagging off saying, you know, that's not what you need. That's not effective. And of course, it was the opposite way around. But um, it took a long time for that to sort of trickle through. And I guess it's one of the really when the really big companies started using WordPress and other content management systems off the shelf, but then customized that people actually started to take it more seriously, I guess. 
You know what's crazy? I was just reading. They published a, a stat in March. Um, I think March last year, 2018. WordPress mm-hmm. now powers 30% of the internet. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. 30% yeah. And you of can't all tell. websites online are built on WordPress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's open source and the fact that uh, anyone really can update it, or <laughs> I wouldn't choose to, obviously. <laughs> I'm not really technical. Um, but, yeah, the fact that it's an open source product and so it's being developed in a sort of collaborative way, it's 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 amazing, isn't it? It's a crazy thing. So, so you've, you've touched a bit on on why you do what you do, and, uh, you know, you're, you're still, still really young. <laughs> yeah, super young. <laughs> So tell us why you do what you do, and and it'd be fascinating to get you back in sort of thirty years time and see what you're doing, and and if the, so, the yeah, know, I agree. Different. So I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you the whole spiel. I'll go back even further for you. Um, cool. So growing up, my father had furniture stores all over um, New Jersey and Pennsylvania in the states, and from the time I could walk, he put me on the floor selling furniture with his salespeople. Um, and in the summers, I used to go after camp to the store, and I used to hang out in the store around the salespeople, around the customers. And you know, not consciously, I re- I learned a lot about human psychology and 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 the sales process, and how to influence a potential customer's opinion, and how to influence um, the sales cycle, and how to influence whether or not they're going to make a purchase. And at the time when I was that young, I must have been literally like like eight, nine, 10 years old, I didn't think much of it. You know, it just sounds like, okay, well, how do you sell a sofa or how do you sell a dining set? But really what I was learning was, was how to communicate and how to, and how to communicate properly in a way that the person on the other end heard what I was saying and listened to it and, and agreed with it. So yeah. that what really was really treated a lot like sales. You know, it wasn't fancy, it wasn't psychology, it wasn't advertising, it wasn't marketing, it wasn't anything sexy or hot. It was just sales, you know, I'm, I could have been selling anything. And then, over the years, I, uh, I also gained a bit of an appreciation for art. My mother is Danish from Copenhagen, so culture and, um, and art and music and food, that's a big part of my upbringing from that side. And my father having that kind of business mindset and my mother kind of having that art background really raised me with, like, on two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, if I, I'm spending the day with my father, I'm spending the day selling sofas, I'm spending the day with my mother, we're going to a museum. <laughs> and growing up with everybody in the same house really um, – built this kind of a tug of war in me that that I didn't know which side to pull at at all times. And what wound up happening was I developed an appreciation and a passion for art, but I was able to speak about it and I was able to communicate about this art and express it in a way that made sense to the general world, to the same person who would buy a sofa. I could explain to them why something in a museum mattered because I had these two influences in my life every day, which was super, super important and not something I realized that I had up until it literally I was writing college essays and, and, and one of the prompts was, um, how do your two parents affect you if you have two parents? How do your two parents affect you, and and what have they done for your life? And that was really like that 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 was the first time anybody ever made me you know think like that. And that's when I realized where those two influences came from. Anyway, so going back, so throughout um, middle school, my father didn't let me work in the store anymore. I wasn't allowed to be on the floor selling furniture because I was old enough. I had to be in the warehouse putting furniture together. So literally for eight hours a day in the blazing sun, I was. I was assembling furniture and it taught me an insane amount of work ethic. I always say, if you don't know what you want to do in life, do something you hate and you'll, <laughs> and you'll you wind up, wherever your mind goes, that's what you want to do. So at the time it was like, I was in sixth, seventh and eighth grade and social media was just getting hot. I was you know, sixth grade. I made my Facebook account. Um, Facebook was the only social media network that was really mainstream at the time between me and my friends. 
Um, MySpace was like around, but nobody really used it. Um, and friends started, didn't even know what that was. Um, so at social media was getting hot. Nobody really knew what it was. And in eighth grade, I was asking my dad dying. I said, dad, 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 let me put the store, Jason's furniture at the time on Facebook. And can I please get out of the warehouse and only do social media? Um, he said, yes, worked out for a week. And then he said, yeah, I don't know what the value in this is. And I went back to the warehouse. I stepped foot back in that warehouse. I said, I got to get out of this store. I got to get out of Jersey. So I said, I asked my father the next year if I was allowed to intern for a company in New York. And he said, yeah, sure. So in ninth grade, I interned for a company called um, the Tabish Group. They're an IT company in Manhattan. Um, they, they provide computers and technology and, and all electronic solutions for, for a lot of major companies. And I there I interned and I learned how to put together and take apart a computer. I was 14 at the time and I absolutely fell in love with technology. Anything and everything tech I was consuming. So um, blogs like Engadget, which is now The Verge, um, and all these different, like, um, I think I was on Reddit at the time, and Reddit was also super low-key. I was on Twitter. And a lot of things, I was just consuming all technology news that I can. And I, I wanted to get into tech somehow, some way. And yeah. I was either, I told myself I was either going to make the next Facebook or I was going to um, build a bunch of different Facebooks with help from other people. Yeah. So I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket in, in hoping to build the next Facebook. So I said, all right, let me... Let me kind of hone in on one necessary skill that I would need in order to build the next Facebook, and I'll do that for a ton of companies. What was that at the time was web design. You know, web design wasn't as simple as it is today. It was something that was kind of a, uh, of, a of a talent almost. Today, it's like you do web design. Okay, great. You have a Squarespace account, so do I. Um, but back then, it was really if you knew web design, you knew code and you knew development, and you really knew how to build something beautiful and something that mattered. Yeah, yeah. So I interned for a company called um, the Internet Construction Company, and that's back when I was, we were just we were originally speaking about. I literally I, I spent three months in the summer trying to figure out how to learn how to do, make websites, and I couldn't figure it out for life. I was in the office for 10 hours a day, just sleeping over books, trying to, trying to read it, trying to figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. Then I found Theme Forest. I started customizing sites for other, um, for other people, and I kind of developed like a client base. And throughout my, I think it was my junior year of high school, I was actually, I was making good money doing it. And I didn't really know what to do with the money because I was, you know, 16 years old living in New Jersey, not really much you could do with money there. And I said, you know, venture capital is super hot now. Everybody's really into venture capital. Let me see what that world is like. So I interned for a venture capital fund and we um, kind of like, I, I sat down with the CEO, his name's Alan Cutter. Um, goes by Ozzy. He lives in Israel now. He lived in New York at the time. Huge, huge, huge mentor of mine. Really an incredible guy. He taught me a lot. Um, up there with my, with my father and a few other guys, definitely one of the most important businessmen in my life. And he really, he, he kind of made me his right-hand man. I was, I, was, I, was, yeah, I was 16 turning 17 at the time, and he really trusted me with a lot. And it really built a lot of my confidence. And, and not that I had a confidence problem, but I really, it really showed me that, you know, other people believe in me as, as, as well. And that's not just mom and dad and myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was doing web design for him. We were building the site for the Venture Capital Fund. And then he asked me to start doing the graphic design and build a deck to raise money. And I've never built a deck before, but of course, like we said before, I said yes. And I learned how to build decks, and I really got involved in venture capital. I, he would bring me in on all of his meetings. We'd have startups coming in, raising money, and I really got very enveloped in that world, so much so that the next summer, it was my senior year of high school, I interned for um, a company called Dream It Ventures, which is a venture capital fund that was being directed by one of the partners who was on the other fund that I was working for. 
And there I really fell in love with the startup world, technology and all the new things coming out, all the emerging tech, um, artificial intelligence, drones, all this crazy stuff. And this is probably, I want to say about 2014 that I was doing this. And after like meeting after meeting after meeting with all these different startups, I realized that the numbers really aren't my game. You know, I'm not in venture capital for the numbers. I don't really care about the returns, all these things. It's not why I'm here. I'm here because I want to help companies build brands. You know, I want to help them build, build up. But at the time, there was no such thing, in my head at least, as branding. You know, marketing and advertising was always a thing. It was not something I ever thought about. I knew I did web design, but that's about it. Yeah. And it was, not, it was then when I realized that I didn't like the numbers that I realized I love building these companies, building a brand. And what is a brand? It's something that means it's, – it's, uh, it's, it's kind of an idea or a notion that means more to other people than it does to the person itself. It's it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a concept that can be translated to multiple facets of the world without being translated. And I said, you know, this is something I'm very interested in. Let me let me let me try to work this. And at the time, I was still doing web design for a bunch of different clients. And I sat down with one of my past clients and I said, let me ask you a question. I built the site for you however many years ago. What was the value in that? Because you didn't pay the client at the time didn't pay a ton of money. But I wanted, and, and the site was good, you know, I wasn't the best web designer in the world, but I asked him, like, where was the value in what we did for you? Because he was super happy, and he loved what we did, and I didn't really understand it. And he told me, what was more valuable to me than the website was the discovery process you took me through to figure out what needs to be put on that site. I said, okay, well, that's interesting. I never thought of that. What do you mean? He said, well, when we sat down, I told you that we built an asset analyzation tool that is able to track properties and their values over the years. And you told me, huh? And, <laughs> and it made me realize that, you know, not everybody knows what I do and what that means. So myself at the time, I think I was like 16, I told him, oh, you mean you have a tool that lets me know how much my piece of art is going to be worth in two years? And he said, yeah, exactly. I said, oh, well, we should put that on your side. We shouldn't put what you, we shouldn't put what you just said. Nobody knows what the hell that is, you know. <laughs> and that little tool that I had was was so important. I didn't realize at the time because for me that was just okay, making sense out of things and putting them into yeah. English. But that is branding, you know. And I did, branding wasn't a term in my head at the time. I didn't know that was a profession or a skill or let alone a career or an agency. That was just something you did. And it really goes back to my days literally selling furniture was able to show a customer what a sofa was and be able to explain it to them in a way where it sounded like they wanted to buy it. And, I, and yeah. because I have that background in art and in culture, I was able to do the same thing there. So what branding became was a real um, kind of like convergence of these two worlds where I was able to really sell art. And our MO for a long time, it's not anymore because it's a bit immature, but it used to be, we make art that makes money. That was our motto is that we're really culture rich, we're really, really media heavy, but we're not artsy. You know, we, we're really focused on design, but the bottom line is good design doesn't mean it looks clean. Good design means it makes you more money. And that was our yeah. whole thing. And it still is, we're, we're a little bit more sophisticated in the way we say it now. Um, but that was really, that that was like, we were, and we were, we were really, really different. Like in New York agencies, they're either marketing agencies or they're design agencies. They're either like super creative and don't even care about money, but they still charge you $200,000 for a site, or they're like super, super, super marketing focused and they have no idea what good design looks like. And we were kind of that middle, but we weren't a, a balance of the two. We were both extremes in one. Um, and so today we've kind of, we've kind of grown up a little bit. Um, not that much. It's only been a couple of years. Um, but <laughs> 
<laughs> today, it's so still only 22, whole, remember? <laughs> but today, our, whole, uh, our motto is transformed from we make art that makes money to uh, we say a lot, a lot of times now, tomorrow guaranteed. Companies sit down with us to, to make sure that their, oh their future is, is kind of sealed in the book, that we make sure that, yeah. that they're ahead of their game at all times. So we're a digital agency that provides solutions to make sure that they exist within the next two or three years. Because the digital world yeah. is a scary one for a lot of people who don't know it. Um, not every business is internet proof. Most businesses aren't internet proof. So we kind of yeah. we, we sit down with companies and make sure that they are internet proof. So whether that's rebranding or redoing their site or working on social media content or doing a podcast, we just do anything and everything to make sure that the company is going to be around a year, two years, three years, 10 years from now. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. the feel, and we do it. And I know you asked me why. I went into a what. Sorry about that. I digressed a bit. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> um, why do I do it? I know that was the original question. I know. Why do I do it? I, I don't really know. You know, it's it's like, uh, it's funny. I, I, I had a photographer working for me once, and she was incredible. Her name is Sarah Rhoda. She was really great. And I asked her, how long have you been a photographer? And she told me something so brilliant. And she said, oh, well, I was always a photographer. I just never, I just didn't always have a camera. And <laughs> Yeah, but it's the truth, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why do I do what I do? I don't know. It's just the way I, I am. It's just a. It's not a profession. It's a personality trait. It's a characteristic. It's just the way I think. And mm. now that I have the tools to actually execute on those things is awesome. It's brilliant. It's great. But why do I do it? I don't know. Same reason I eat breakfast. Same reason I walk and talk. It's just, you know, it's just kind of ingrained in me that 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 when you sit down with somebody you got to help them and you got to try to leave this world a better place than you found it. And, and how are you going to do that? So why? I don't know. We sit down with companies. We try to make their lives a little bit easier. We try to make some money along the way. And uh, that's it. Everyone has a good day. <laughs> I don't, so I, I don't know if that properly answered your question. I know that was a long one. <laughs> you went really New York at the end as well. Your accent really uh, <laughs> I think I, I think it's, it's great to hear that you have sort of unpicked some of, of what's led up to it though. You know, you're talking about your parents being so different and you having the opportunity to do that at college and actually really identify that difference and those opportunities they gave you. And, you know, that, that whole work ethic piece. Um, uh, I, when you said about work ethic, it just reminded me of my dad who used to always tell me that you only get out of life what you put into it. So he exactly. drilled a strong work ethic into me um, and then you mentioned AI and uh, he my dad died 30 years ago I was only 19 when he died but um, I found a tape the other day of him presenting at a conference and I'm, I've managed to get it onto an mp3 and uh, it was really odd because I didn't recognize his voice to begin with because it's been you know such a long time um, but then to hear him talking about artificial intelligence in what would have been something like 1985 just crazy. showed me how ahead of his time he was and it was just so lovely to yeah, that's, that's to a very special it. thing that you found the tape of him speaking yes yeah exactly but and also just to be speaking about something that is so modern and from so long ago and i, I and, you know i was sad as well because i thought you know he had so much more opportunity to to be part of you know technology as it moved forward but uh, yeah, so um, tell us a bit about what your what your days look like. I mean, just from what you've told me about your life, you just seem like you're full of energy, and um, you you probably sleep three hours and get up at four Oof, and do I hate, I know, like, everything, sleep. don't you? <laughs> There's nothing in this world I get more frustrated by than being tired. <laughs> I, I, I for yeah. some reason over the for, for 22 years I haven't come to terms with the fact that a body needs sleep. I, I cannot. <laughs> And it's just it's for me it's it sounds it seems so inefficient 
You know, you're not. I, I don't. I, I have. A, I have a thing. I only do things in life that are either enjoyable or productive. Everything else, I really yeah. don't do. You know, so sleep is neither enjoyable nor productive. I can't work when I'm sleeping. And I can't enjoy sleep. I don't. You know, I don't enjoy sleep. You're unconscious. You know, you don't feel it. So what? And it's so frustrating. So no. So I'll tell you. I'll take you through my day a bit. And I. And I'm. I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed with my daily ritual. And it does. Okay. Good. But it changes like super. So. I'm a bit uh, not obsessive, but I, I really love routine and I love ritual and I love habits and I love trying new things, stuff, experiments, stuff like that. So my daily ritual, I'll tell you what it is right now, but it's changed and shifted. I have a new, I have a new daily ritual that I'm completely gung ho on, like about once a month or twice a month, and you can't even, convince, and you can't convince me out of it. And if you tell, if you remind me what I was doing the week before, I'll tell you, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'll tell you, at the oh, moment. My, uh, I wake up at my alarm goes off at um, 6.13 a.m. I usually wake up um, probably about 20 minutes before my alarm goes off. I don't know why I love waking up before it goes off. I feel like like I beat it or like I get an extra like 20 or 30 minutes of life in that day. I just I feel so great. And then I um, – what do I do? Okay, I wake up at 6.13 um, or I wake up whatever earlier than that. I hop in the bathroom. I brush my teeth, whatever. I wash up. I head to the kitchen. I make coffee. I have my my. I, I'm a big coffee guy. I'm obsessed. I just bought uh, an OXO. I believe it's an OXO. I don't know what the brand is called. A French press. And I've never had right. French press coffee. I used to be uh, only an espresso guy, like that Nespresso machine, which was yeah. great. And coffee's delicious, but I need something more in the morning. You know, it's it's a very short cup. I need something yeah. that's gonna last that I can really milk for like you know 20, 30 minutes. And you yeah. can't you can't have that for 20 minutes. So. I, uh, I invested in a French press and I got my own coffee bean grinder because whenever good. I like something, I have to buy all the toys associated with it. <laughs> yeah, that so, sounds like me. <laughs> so, I would say it's about, it's about um, making it easy and, you know, so it works well and all that sort of stuff. That's that's the sort of justification for buying everything, all the toys. <laughs> it's just fun, you know, I'm not, I'm not so fancy. I just have fun with it. So I bought, I bought, the, uh, bought the French press. I bought the grinder and I and I subscribed to something called uh, Trade. I think it's called it's drinktrade.com. It's a coffee subscription service. They send you a new bean, a bag of coffee beans every week, which is great because I go through literally a bag a week, um, which is a lot of coffee. But so every morning, so I, I grind them from the night before because if I grind them in the morning, my wife is gonna wake up and she's gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> so and I don't want to I don't want to wake her up at six o'clock in the morning because with with and we have a very small apartment so I, it's just I'm I'm not gonna make it to the next day if I do that so I usually grind them I usually grind them from the night before so I wake up in the morning I, I go I have my coffee I pour my coffee um, grinds into my French press and then I, I boil my water at exactly 200 degrees which is the perfect temperature for a French press and um, I pour it in I have to let it steep for four minutes and then I put three hard boiled three um, raw eggs into a pot. And I put them on a very, 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 very low flame, and I just let those cook. And then I'll come in with my coffee after four minutes, and I'll open my laptop on my kitchen table, and I'll get to work. And usually I'm working from like 6 a.m. to about uh, 8.30. And that's like two and a half – those two and a half hours are like by far the most productive two and a half hours of my day. My brain is like totally ripe. The ideas that that come to me are are not ideas that like that are very common. They're not really adjusted to fit into everyday reality. Being that I haven't interacted with anything that's been regular yet, you know, I just woke up. The sun's not even up yet, you know. So as the sun rises, all the all these ideas are hitting me that aren't really in tune with the real life, 
which is a really good thing in that you know one or two of the ideas are like really good and those two, one or two ideas have been very disruptive to my either my business model or my clients business model I've come up with the best brands I ever have within four minutes of having my coffee in the morning but then there's a lot of like just stupid bonkers ideas that have like nothing to do with reality <laughs> that I, I totally throw out but I'm very I'm very focused and I'm, and I'm very attentive to make sure that that those two and a half hours go uninterrupted so I don't have yeah. my cell phone turned on um, I just have my Google Chrome browser up. I don't open email. I don't open text because nobody expects anybody to be working from 6 a.m. to 8.30. So that's the perfect time for me to work because um, nobody's going to bother me. Nobody's going to be wasting my time. Um, and I, I am like, I'm, I'm completely obsessed with kind of just making sure that the mechanics of everything I'm doing makes sense. Um, so yeah. at like 8, 8.30, I'll wake up my wife. She has to go to either school or work. She alternates. Um, I'll sit down with her, and at this point, my eggs have been on the low flame for about two hours, sometimes two and a half hours, <laughs> and which is great. But I don't know if you've ever what made are you it making hundred year eggs or something? <laughs> listen, listen, you don't know how. I don't know if you've ever made these. They're phenomenal. So she wakes up, she joins me for breakfast. I peel them, and they turn they turn out brown, and they're and, and they're like almost like burnt, and they have like a very nutty, deep taste. I don't know. I love them. They're really good. I put a little bit of um, Mediterranean sea salt that I grind and allspice on them, and I absolutely love it. And I sit down with, with my wife Margie for breakfast. We sit from like 8:30 to like 9:15, and then she goes off. Um, yeah. And then I clean the kitchen, whatever. I clean up after myself. I have to clean up after myself. That's something very important. Because <laughs> okay. ever since I got married, my wife moved into my apartment, and she's she's kind of commandeered the kitchen, so I'm no longer the chef. She is, so I'm just borrowing her space in the morning. <laughs> that's that's the way I have to look at it. But um, it. I'm actually. I'm reading a book. Excuse me one second. I'm just going to go grab this book. Yeah. I have to plug it because it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. And I've always been like this before I picked up the book. I picked it up yesterday, two days ago. I'm almost done with it already. Um, I'm, I've always been very mechanic and very focused and almost a bit obsessive about how I do things um, exactly. Meaning I like, I like grinding my own coffee beans. I like boiling my own eggs. I like cleaning my own, like I don't, I don't use the dishwasher in the morning because I really like scrubbing the pot. And I don't know why I like these things. It's like so stupid. You have all these tools and all these great things and, you know, why, why would you ever not, um, you know, take advantage of them? So yeah. I'm reading this book and what this book is, it's called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. And it's an account of all these famous historical figures and what their days look like. And I was flipping through it, and they came to the account of Carl uh, Jung. I think you pronounce his last name Jung. He's a Swiss um, psychiatrist, and he's got a piece in here. I'm just flipping through it to find it. It's, I'm going to read it out loud. It's absolutely phenomenal. It speaks about his time when he was in his um, his he he had a tower in um in I think it's called Bollingen, and it, he had no running water. He had no electricity, and this is 1960. And yeah. he, he had nothing. He was just, he literally lived like almost as if he was Amish. And I'm going to read this passage because it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. At Bollingen, Zhang rose at 7 a.m., said good morning to his saucepans, pots, and frying pans, and spent a long time preparing breakfasts, which usually consisted of coffee, salami, fruits, bread, and butter. The biographer Ronald Heyman notes, he generally set aside two hours in the morning for concentrated writing. The rest of his day would be spent painting or meditating in his private study, going for long walks in the hills, receiving visitors and replying to the never-ending stream of letters that arrived each day. At two or three, he took tea. In the evening, he enjoyed preparing a large meal, often preceded by an aperitif, which he called a sundowner. Bedtime was 10. And this is a quote. At Bollingen, I'm in the midst of my true life. I am most deeply myself, he wrote. 
I have done without electricity and tend the fireplace and stove myself. Evenings, I light the old lamps. There is no running water. I pump the water from the well. I chop the wood and I cook the food. And here's the kicker. These simple acts make man simple and how difficult it is to be simple, which is the truth. Like that, that, that line, like I read that, I was like, whoa, that's why I do all this. You know, because yeah. I'm somebody, especially being in the digital world and, and, and being the profession that I'm in, every day I'm using these tools. I can name you 15 different CRMs that I'm paying for right now that run 15 different applications with this and that. It's very complex. It's very complicated. We have a lot of softwares and a lot of tools. And sometimes it's nice to just wake up and grind your own coffee beans, you know? You yeah. know, it's just, it's just really, it's just really nice. So that's, my, so that's my morning. Um, so generally I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I clean up the kitchen and, and I'm about done cleaning at, by like 9.30, 9.45. I sit back down um, and now it depends on what my day looks like. So I'll ha sometimes I'll have meetings in the office. My office is a 15 minute walk away from my apartment. So depending on what my day looks like, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty sporadical. There's no really set structure after 9.45. Um, mm -hmm. If I have meetings in the office, at like 12 or one or whatever, I'll walk to the office and I'll work from the office. We're on 49th and Madison and, and then I'll have my meetings there. Um, some days uh, if I don't have any early meetings, I'll go, I'll go to CrossFit um, and I'll work out from like 1230 to 1:15. Uh, and then by like, six-ish, I'm done, I'm, I'm done working. And, and remember, I've already got that two and a half hours of working in the beginning of the day that are like completely mm. concentrated and so focused. So there's not like a ton of work to be doing in the office. A lot of it is just like housekeeping and meetings and conference calls and all that kind of stuff. My most mm. like my real work, my most ripe work is done in the morning. And then everything out, my mind isn't as fresh as it is in the morning. So it kind of just, they just like, just checks off tasks. And then at like 6.30, I come home, um, my wife usually made dinner, so I'm, I'm at the table by seven. We have a delicious dinner. Um, and then I, uh, we just hang out and I, I always have before dinner, before bed though, very important. I have, um, apple cider vinegar before bed every night. It helps me sleep and it helps me wake up in the morning and just, it just makes me feel, feel very fresh. Oh, and, and how do you do that? Meat or in water? So it's interesting. So I used to have it in tea. I used to make like a peach tea. I used to add, um, a two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and honey. Now the mixture yeah. of honey and apple cider vinegar knocks you out. I've never been an insomniac, thank God, but I, I, I you don't like I, you drink it and then you, your, your eyelids start shutting. For me at least, yeah. it's wild. Um, yeah. And then I realized that I, like I don't need to do that because I, I fall asleep just fine. So I started mixing it with just soda water, and it's like a, so, it's like a soda. It's, it's a little harsh to drink, but I love vinegar. Like I love pickles and stuff, so it's not so bad for me. But yeah. my wife yeah. really appreciate it so much when I drink it in bed. <laughs> it's romantic. <laughs> oh, I might have to check that out. I keep thinking I should have apple cider vinegar um, on a regular basis because I do yeah, like it's it. Good. But, I can't uh, really pinpoint what the exact health benefits benefits are. Yeah. Like, I, it's supposed to like make your immune system stronger. It definitely helps my stomach. That's for sure. Because I, I eat a ton of spicy food, very very acidic. So a little bit of vinegar, that opposite end of the base spectrum, is good for me just because it, uh, it it kind of settles my stomach. Hmm. -hmm. Lovely. So that was a very comprehensive day in the life of. <laughs> I love the observations about the, uh, as you say, the sort of the sort of simplicity of, of things because it that that is when you actually think about it, true. I'm sure for all of us that those sort of rituals and those those moments really can help us to to get clearer or to be more creative or to you know just 
be in the moment a lot more than when we're just dashing around trying exactly. to fit everything in. Yeah, yeah. I talk a lot on the podcast about my coffee. We have a um, bean to cup machine, so I, I sort of have that as a bit of a ritual that if I want to do some reading, I'll go and uh, make the coffee and then, uh, you know, sit down and uh, drink that and, and do my reading or perhaps some oh, very nice. sort of thinking. Um, I can hear a noise. I thought it was my I thought it was my little dog snoring. <laughs> no, that's, that's, actually, that's noise pollution. <laughs> Every four minutes, I can guarantee you're going to hear an ambulance siren or a or a fire truck siren, something. I don't know what that is always yeah. crazy. You can like every time I record a lot from either my apartment or from the office, and yeah. there's no such thing as a quiet moment. There is no, no like there is no quiet here in New York. No, no. <laughs> so you talked about the sort of um, frenetic activity in in business and how you do, um, you know, use lots of technology and so on. And, and uh, you know, given the sort of business that you're in, I can see there will be lots of uh, tools, apps technology that you use but what would you say your top three are oh top three okay hard so <laughs> that's hard because there's a lot of different categories of um i know you sent me these questions from before so i should have already had these top three on top <laughs> head, of course yeah. i did not read that i wanted it to do this cold so i don't i don't have a top three off the top of my head um but i will Just tell a you so fling a, fling, a, fling a few out they don't have to be yeah three. okay <laughs> Um, so I'll tell you, so when it comes to like everyday life, um, I'm, I, of course my big, my number, my number one tool in the world is my iPhone. I conduct my entire business from my iPhone. And then second would be my laptop, my MacBook pro. I conduct all, almost all my business from my MacBook in terms of doing design work and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the actual apps and services and softwares that I use day to day, I'd say the number one would be Evernote. I love Evernote. I use Evernote mm -hmm. to categorize almost everything. So whether it be client meetings or personal or personal thoughts, um, planning trips, uh, what else? Every Literally every time I get an email that's like almost a little bit important, I copy and paste it and put it into Evernote and I categorize yeah, yeah. it somewhere. Evernote yeah. is, is like by far my favorite tool ever. And I don't work for Evernote, I would love, but like they're the absolute, like if you're ever having trouble in terms of organization and all that, um, use Evernote. But something I've found is that a lot of times we look for apps and we look for tools to, to make our lives easier. But a lot of times we just have to make our lives easier and then we can use the tools and apps. I was always very disorganized. Um, and I and I was like, oh, I'll just download 14 iPhone apps that'll make me more organized. And of course that made me more disorganized because I don't, I, don't, I don't have the reason I'm so disorganized, I don't have the patience to organize. So what makes anybody think I'm gonna have the patience to use all these apps and organize everything? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> So I was used to um, be known for trying a new like to do system or organization system. So in the old days, I'd I'd do that. I had a Firefox and then I got a Scion and then this happened and then that happened. And then I try this app and then I'd do a new system of that. And I'd spend all my time reorganizing all my tasks into this right, new system. And that made me feel really, <laughs> really productive. But so I've, I've stopped with Todoist for I years. made a, a very <laughs> conscious shift, like a very conscious 360, yeah. like like a year and a half ago that my, my business is going to be extreme. Cause I'm not my, I'm from a thought. My brain is not a very structural thing. It's I'm, I'm a very much a free thinker and that's where a lot of my artistic expression comes from. That's where a lot of my business ideas come from. And I, I always felt like like adding a structural, you know, kind of execution or a structural program to that brain would be very detrimental. It would cap my creativity. What I found is actually I, a couple of years ago, I got into real estate a little bit. 
Um, I started making a couple of real estate investments and, and venture capital investments. So I had to be a logical thinker and I had to have structure. And I found that having the structure made my creativity more impactful. It made it more potent. It wasn't just yeah. my free thoughts. It was, hey, here's my free thought and here's 15 ways to do it. So I made a very conscious decision. I made a huge 360 and said, I could be this free thinker, but it needs to be structured. So that's when I started using Evernote um, to, to kind of just structure everything. And it's worked out really great for me. Other tools that I use, I mean, I love Dropbox. I can't speak enough about Dropbox. Um, that's how we kind of organize all the files that are our whole entire company. Um, I'm a big fan of FreshBooks. I was using QuickBooks for the, for the business. I was using QuickBooks yeah. for a while, but QuickBooks just has a lot of tools and bells and whistles that we don't use. And it kind of complicates things um, when it comes to billing and just accounting and keeping track of money. FreshBooks, I found, is stupid simple to use. It has a time tracker built in for our employees uh, so they can track the time for the, of, for client work. And we use that. We love it. What else do we use? Uh, I use Anchor for podcasting. That's where we build all our podcasts and distribute everything, which is great. Big fan of PayPal and Venmo. I love Squarespace. I use Squarespace to build a lot of our client sites. Um, a lot of the clients with smaller budgets, we build Squarespace sites for them. They come out absolutely magnificently. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we use. I use a tool called Built With. This is pretty specific to people in the web industry, um, but it's a Google Chrome extension that you can install that allows you to oh, um, find out what they're what, using. What they're using <laughs> to build the site. It's fascinating. Yes. You go on, we look at a potential client site, and it might be a good site, but we click on our little Built With icon, and we can see what went into building the site and whether or not it's sustainable in the next three months because of an update coming out, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. think what else we use. We use. Um, Hunter, which is a email address scraper. We use that just for sales and stuff like that. Um, yeah. what else do we, I'm going, I'm literally, I'm going through my iPhone, seeing what else that I use a lot. Um, I use obviously messages in the and phone a lot. I, oh, big one. I don't know. It's just so not business related, but Waze. Oh my God. Waze is, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I avoid hours and hours of traffic because of Waze. Um, I use Spotify for music. I use Apple music for music. I use a podcast app for podcasts. Um, I think oh, well, I've got a podcast recommendation for you. Have you oh, yeah, tried? Definitely. Have you tried Overcast? I've tried it, but I, I'm a I'm a big Apple guy, and so all I've tried Spotify, I've tried Overcast, I've tried Dropcast, I've tried everything and anything you could ever imagine. But I always just fall back to Apple Podcasts because mm, it's see, so I'm, I'm Apple now. <laughs> I'm Apple now, but the reason I like Overcast is you can share not only episodes with people you can actually share from a point in an episode so if you've listened to something and there's a really key point that you want to share you can actually share like that's a good stuff. tool yeah that's i like that's cool. why i, like I that. actually like it mm, i like yeah. that so yeah i use the apple podcasting app i use i use all those i'm trying to think what else mail obviously gmail google calendar uh and that's it nothing so i think that's more than three <laughs> <laughs> nothing so special <laughs> you're, you're like just see if I can put a few more than three in you managed it <laughs> brilliant <laughs> so when we started I said uh, I said we you know we, we've got plenty of time but you know we need to keep it within certain parameters and we're already past that <laughs> are we we knew that would happen didn't we <laughs> does, that mean, does that mean I'm getting cut off Ah, no, not at all, not at all I'm going to ask you what about about days where things don't go right about uh, how you deal with that when you have a day where because it sounds your day sounds like because you've got that sort of regular rich ritualistic start to the day that you mm -hmm. sort of are set up so whatever happens you know it'll be fine but you know right. is that the case or, or what happens if something's horribly wrong uh so i mean it depends how you define horribly wrong i'm not really <laughs> i'm not i'm not a big i mean i'm not a big horribly wrong type of guy i'm not a big i don't i'm not a big complainer um I really, I don't see 
a lot of things that happen that, that, that aren't, you know, super beneficial. I have a lot of faith in, 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 in somebody or something that's a lot smarter than me controlling things up there that I know that yeah. if something happens, it's probably for the best. So my initial reaction to almost everything that could be perceived negatively is, okay, this is really good because, you know, it's going to mean something else, but I'm not really sure what it is right this second. So let's deal with it. And then we'll figure out why it was so great. Mm, like mm. And, and like anything and everything there's a lot of examples i can give um a couple like even right personal examples like people getting sick or, or or missing trips or this or that there's a lot of like real things that happen but you realize you know you as long as you deal with them appropriately and you don't get frustrated and you don't get upset and you don't get emotional and you deal with them when they need to be dealt with in order to solve the problem you can look back in two three weeks four weeks a month even a year and say oh if we went on that trip we wouldn't have been able to visit that person in the hospital and we were the only ones there and you just kind of realize certain things that 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 make you believe like you know you're not the one who's in charge and don't mm -hmm. for a second think you are so you don't react like you are so if something horrible happens you cannot pretend for a second that you ha know why it happened or or why or why something didn't happen instead instead of reacting emotionally and being frustrated with something that's out of your control Take whatever you have in your in your power, you know, take the tools that you have in front of you and operate with them and fix the problem and then move on. You know, I, I, I control what I can control and I let whoever handle the rest. You know, I, I don't I don't yeah, worry yeah. myself with things that are out of my power. No, no. And what about those days where you end the day knowing that you've had the chance to live more? And I describe that as being able to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do. What does that day look like? I'm not sure I understand the question. If you could just repeat it. So when you, you've had the chance to live more, and I talk about living more as being able to do the things that you want to do. So I suspect some of, of why we're sort of exploring, you know, I'm sort of explaining it more is because you craft your life to the point where you do do what you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you tend I almost, not to do things that you should do or you have to do. You do what you want to do. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you, every single day I'm awake is like is, is a gift. And yeah. I really try my hardest to make the most out of that gift. So, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a billion people who would, and not, I'm not saying this from a, from an egocentric perspective, but just from a reality, there's a billion people who, who, who are killing and who are dying to be the shoes that I was born in, you know, and, and that's true of everybody and everywhere in every situation. Even if mm -hmm. you're the poorest person in a country, there's somebody in a poor country wishing they were you, you know? So, not taking the day as it is and not reaching your full 100% maximum potential every single day is disrespectful to everybody who's worked so hard to put you there and everybody who wishes that you they were where you are. So if you wake up and you spend a day wasted or if you, if you spend a day doing something that either wasn't productive or wasn't enjoyable or wasn't something that you should have been doing, you are disrespecting everybody who worked so hard. To put, even if, you know, I'm not saying that, that, that you have to be born wealthy or you have to be born in good, with a good family, you have to be born this. The fact that you're born, and even if, if you're born with a disability, it's just, there's somebody out there wishing they were you. I promise you that, no matter where you mm -hmm. are, no matter what you're doing. So not taking full potential, not taking full advantage of that is disrespectful to the people who worked hard to put you there, and it's disrespectful to people who wish that you were there. So mm -hmm. every single day has got to be like, if I have a day where I don't feel like, like I reached my 110%. Yeah. It's a crappy day. Like that's not a great, and everybody has crappy days. I'm not superhuman, you know, everybody <laughs> has, everybody has crappy days. And, and yeah, I have a lot of those days sometimes just like everybody else. But though, but when you have those days, you got to look back and say, okay, well, this is why this happened. 
this is why I didn't feel this way about this thing, and tomorrow I'm going to fix that, and we're going to learn from this. But um, what are the data? Yeah, I, I know you asked. Sorry, I keep on digressing. I, I keep on going all over the place. I know you asked me what does a day look like when I when I do reach that. I explained it to you. You know, it's 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 almost. Thank God, it's almost every day. You know, it's waking up with mm -hmm. my wife and and having a good breakfast and getting some good work done and being with people that I love and care about and the people that love me and care about me and and and, and feeling good when I go to sleep and getting ready to wake up the next day. You know, that and that's yeah, it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I have a lot of conversations with people um, who are sort of my age thinking uh, sort of, as I said to you before we came on about some of the reason why I sort of started Power to Live More about having sort of issues within families or with health or whatever and sort of taking stock of their lives and then making changes and and really having the sort of attitude that you've just described. And there's a lot of people that sort of um identify with that and we have those conversations and I've, i know i had a call on uh, one of the podcasts with um nicola semple and i and her and i were saying if only we could sort of teach our children what we've learned now so that they don't sort of have to you know wait until they're older to work this sort of stuff out but all the stuff that i read about younger people nowadays and millennials and all that sort of stuff is actually i think what we're talking about which is that generally generationally people of your generation actually understand it much, much better than we did, I think. And, you you know, you're reflecting that in, in how you're living your life quite intentionally now. Um, and I don't know that people of my generation actually did so much of that. We're sort of doing it now. There's a, a whole load of people. Well, that, I mean, say, yeah, you know. a big part of that is the Internet. You know, we're, we're connected yeah. to anything and everything all over the world at all times. Mm, mm. We are also not we're, we're aware because we have to be. There is no other option. Yeah. There is no such thing as not knowing what's going on somewhere else. So we yeah. have to be much more empathetic individuals. We have to be much more optimistic individuals because if we're not, it's either what, unfortunately, what this, what, or unfortunately, or unfortunately, I don't really, I'm not really the one to say, but what this digital landscape has, has kind of created is, is, is the, it's just only two extremes. There's no real balance. It's either you're, you're with it and you know what's going on and you're reacting in a positive way or you're with it, you know what you're going on, and you're victimized by it, or you victimize yeah. yourself with it. And there's no real yeah. middle ground. And you just have to try your hardest to stay on the opposite of the victim, mm. the victim area. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting observation, as you say, that with the internet, we are all more, much more aware of what's going on around us across the whole world, not necessarily just in our our own countries and so on. And and that that must be having that that sort of effect and I guess there's more conversation generally it's not it's not just the people that you interact with face to face that you're having these discussions with nowadays it's it's a much wider community isn't it right exactly mm -hmm. lovely excellent well thank you um so it's it's been great talking to you as as predicted um we could carry on for hours but we won't <laughs> we definitely can we definitely definitely can well, it'd be great to get you back on in a few years, actually, and uh, and Let's see do it. how we'll things book have changed. Book it from now. I know how busy you are. Yeah. Find out how um how your morning ritual has changed and how many times. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me tomorrow. We'll talk about a new one. <laughs> Brilliant. So, how can people find out more about you and connect with you? Cool. So, I have a blog, kind of a blog. It's like a personal website. I don't know. I just throw a lot of stuff on there that I like. That's uh, jobatesh.com. It's J-O-E and then B as in boy, E-T-E-S-H, jobatesh.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at jobatesh. I'm, in, I'm on Twitter at jobatesh. Um, you can find our, our agency's website. That's bateshmedia.com. Batesh spelled the same way. 
Um, and then I have a podcast called Batesh Audio. You can find that on joebatesh.com. You click on podcast. I also have a weekly email if you guys want to sign up for that. It's literally just it's sent out every Friday morning. It's super short, super sweet. Um, and it's just like a small, short curation of the things that I've um, either discovered or enjoyed or created during the week. So sometimes it's like a client project, sometimes it's like a book I'm reading or a really cool quote I found, and I just put that, it's like three or four bullets in an email every single week, I shoot that every Friday. Um, you can find that on joebatesh.com, the podcast is up there, what else, I have a blog up there, I don't know, there's a lot up there. Go to joebatesh.com or find me on Instagram or Twitter or uh, go to the Batesh Media site. Lovely. I'm going to sign up for that newsletter so that I can imagine you sending it whilst those eggs are boiling. Oh, sorry, not boiling. <laughs> really slowly. <laughs> really, really, really slowly. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for your time today. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 98, you'll find them all there. And the tool that I shared on last week's newsletter is my hosting company. So the people that I use to host my websites and also the website for Engage for Success, which is the national movement around employee engagement where I do various bits and pieces, including looking after the website. So uh, if you host your site with your website developer, then this might be uh, irrelevant to you. But if you host it direct with a hosting company, then it might be interesting to you for when you're looking next time at reviewing your supplier. I've been using a company called Liquid Web for a good few years now uh, and they were recommended to me by another business owner and they just continue to impress me day in and day out. And I, I think the mark of a great web hosting company is the uptime of your website. So you know, obviously it needs to be there and working. But actually I think more importantly it's about the support that you get when it all goes wrong. And Liquid Web offer 24-7 support via chat and they are just brilliant and they just you know get on and help with whatever an issue is and a couple of weeks ago I had had an issue with my website where it kept going down every day for just a minute or two at random times didn't seem to be any pattern to it um, and so I contacted them it had been happening for a, a little while I finally got around to doing it on a Sunday as I said and the person I was chatting to checked everything out offered up some suggestions for things that I could do made a few adjustments at their end and then also raised a ticket for that to be looked into further and then I got another email the next day with some more ideas for how I could uh, better optimize my website um, so that I wasn't causing the issue and it was just um, really helpful and I also had an issue with the Engage Success website where I needed to upgrade the PHP which I did and then that caused the whole thing to stop me being able to log in and then that turned out to be a problem with a plugin which was corrupted I then had to re-upload that and sort that out and then there was another issue and so I was on the uh, chat to them three times that day about that website as well and they just helped me sort it out and all was well and I don't think anyone probably knew there was a problem with that website apart from me <laughs> Um, so I'd say they're a definite recommend. Um, I wouldn't say they're particularly cheap, but they're, they're not uh, really expensive either. Um, and as I say, the, the, the level of uh, uptime and the level of support when things do go wrong is just is just brilliant. Uh, so if you go to joedodds.com forward slash recommends with an S. Uh, and then forward slash liquid web, you should find out more about them there. Okay. The show notes for this week's show can be found at powertolivemore.com forward slash 98. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.